Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Second time's the charm. This one's going to work. This one's going to run for a full 90 minutes. And I apologize to anyone that was listening live at 9 p.m. We are back. My name is Matt Rory. You're listening to Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. Calvin, hello again. Hello again. <laughs> yeah. What's happening, my man? Days, uh... I guess. Yeah, uh, it's no, one of those, no. one of those, those days. Running late on everything. Yep. Not much, man. How's it going with you? You know, I'm just uh, trying to deal with some chipmunks digging up my yard. That's about it. Yeah, you're you know, a man same old house stuff. man, huh? You're a house guy? That's right. That's right. I'm a house yeah, guy. You got house, Can you believe it? House issues like chipmunks and whatnot? Yeah, like chipmunks in the yard and, and stuff like that. I got, got to deal with that. I got dead birds. In, in the in the pond over here, there's a little pond on the property that they built themselves. The people that bought that owned it before me, and it's just full of water, and there's, it keep, keeps keeps getting dead animals in there. I got to clear it out. It's a problem. Did you move out to the countryside. I I mean I wouldn't call it the countryside, but it's more country than I was before. A lot of bugs out here, which is fine by me. I can deal with them. All right. Well, that's good. That is good. I wonder if uh, LeBron James can deal with bugs. He likes bugs and gnats and flies, things of, of that nature. He can deal with bugs, but can he deal with being bugged, Ray? Ah, see, that's, this is where I'm going with this. Very nice segue into our first segment, Calvin. Like, we've ne- we haven't missed a beat. It's like we're the, the smoothest duo on CLNS Radio. Are there even other shows on this station anymore? I can't even remember. I've been so out of touch. Is there still um, that, that show with Nick Jusso and Tyre? Does that show still exist? Eats and Eats? Talking yeah. about music and pop culture and food? You know, I'm sure yeah. Nick, Nick Jusso, the foodie? Yeah, that I'm sure that exists. Does um, the morning news, what was that? The evening score? The evening news? Evening score with Brian Langford. 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 Yeah, is that is that still turning out? Cheers. I don't know if he's doing anything there. Huh. Um, I haven't been to that CLNS Radio website in a while. 
I have to see what's going on over there. CLNSradio.com. Yeah, that's that's the reason we're here, right? We should be. We should know more about it. I guess shows shows what we know. If anybody's listening to us, we love CLNS Radio. We do. Sometimes we forget to go there. Yes, and we, now we've ruined our segue. Um, LeBron James got flicked in the private parts by Draymond Green, and the league upgraded it to a flagrant foul after a little bit of a scuffle initiated by LeBron James, initiated by hard play by both players, I I should say. I'm not going to point the finger at LeBron James. I just wanted to put that out there, scare people. Did you end up watching the video? Were you able to get that in before we started? Well, (laughs) I tried. I saw a bad angle, uh, but it didn't work. The video that you sent—that's—that's that's what froze things up for me at first. I was very confused as to what was happening. So, when I first saw the video, I didn't even realize, like, I didn't realize there was controversy. I don't know. Did you? I don't know if you watched the game or not, but like, there was no foul called on the on the play uh, either for LeBron, you know, stepping over Draymond. Or Draymond, you know, sort of swinging his arm a little back at LeBron. They then yeah, they just uh, let him. They let him go a little aggressive there down the court. I mean, I, I saw the, the the deep shot of it, you know, but not the not the up close shot that apparently shows the the uh, swinging motion of Draymond Green's arm after he was stepped over. So apparently, what it what it instigated it was that uh, Draymond called LeBron. Um, I'm just gonna say it. A bitch. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I think you can say that. I don't see why not. Yeah. Yeah. So he just called him. He called him a bitch, and uh, LeBron said, "I'm not, you know, I'm a man who has a, a wife and three kids." And LeBron said, "I mean, and Tremont said, yeah, and you're still a bitch." And that's sort of what caused uh, LeBron to, uh, you know, sort of wrestle Tremont to the ground a little bit. And then step over him. And, uh, what does what what having a wife and three kids uh, have to do with anything as far as your demeanor and it, whether you are, are perceived as a tough guy on the basketball court? Because LeBron, as big and powerful as he is, people around the league, I, I think, do appear do perceive him as kind of a soft guy, especially when it comes to the fourth quarter. So that's, I mean, I, that has nothing to do with his personal life. If if LeBron James is trying to turn this into a, a personal thing, like a family thing, which it sounded to me like he was trying to do, then he's the one that brought that into the conversation. Draymond Green is just calling him a name. I think well, his his argument in the, in the press conference afterward was like that you know he's a that he's a man, he's a father, uh, and like he shouldn't have to be subjected to. Uh, you know that sort of name calling, but it's funny because uh, that was put to Clay Thompson after the fact as well. And, and Clay Thompson, you know, said, you know, we all have things that hurt our feelings. I guess, which is funny. And then it went back to LeBron, and LeBron said, oh, he, oh, he said that. And he had this, you know, super phony LeBron laugh, and then he yep, the laugh. Yeah, I heard, I heard that clip. I heard the, both those yeah. clips actually. Or LeBron said, I'm, I'm going to take the high road, even though it's, right. Like yeah, he has for the last 13 years. Always taking the high road, that yeah. guy. Yep, always the yeah, bigger uh, man. Yeah. LeBron James. 
Yeah, like when he made his MVP. Consummate professional. Yeah. So, multiple things. One, like, I bet you LeBron has been called worse on a basketball court. Like, I'm not sure that I buy any of that. I feel like... I, I feel like yeah, I mean, can, are we, are, can we be real here? He played in multiple playoff series against Kevin Garnett in a situation where Garnett had a lot of fuel to his fire. LeBron James has heard worse, I promise you that. Much worse. Do you think LeBron is, like, particularly sensitive to being called that because he has, like you said, somewhat of an image of being soft? You think that, and he then overreacted to that, uh, or do you think that like maybe this entire thing was LeBron sort of hooking Draymond, knowing that Draymond was a flagrant foul away from being taken out for Game Five? Listen, I, th- I am not one to shy away from praising LeBron James for uh, the way that he thinks about the game of basketball and the way that he seems to calculate moves ahead of other people. Whether they're the right moves or they are uh, effective and and bring his team to victory is a different story, as we've seen over the past five or six years where he's been losing in the NBA Finals. Uh, but you have to give him credit for being able to think that far ahead. So, yes, I believe that this was calculated by LeBron James. I think that he uh, he saw an opportunity to retaliate even at the slightest thing that was said to him. And I think if anybody else on the team had had called anybody else on golden state had called him that he probably would have let it go or definitely not been as aggressive as he was toward Draymond green. If Steph Curry gets in his ear and says something like that, you think he's going to push Steph Curry to the ground or something? I don't think so. He saw who it was. He knew that green was teetering on the edge of a suspension and all of these things go through his mind in a split second, and that's when he decides that he's going he's gonna to bait him a little bit, and I think it was a smart move on LeBron's part. It worked out, and regardless of any conspiracy theory that people want to throw out there, whether the league is working in his favor or not and sort of exaggerating the, the extent of the, the arm swinging, I, I think Green has set himself up for this, and he has nobody to blame but himself. He needs to stay cool in the courts at times. This is my same, my same, the same argument I have against Russell Westbrook going full speed as far as his basketball skills are concerned at all times and not slowing down. Draymond Green needs to slow his mouth down a little bit at times, and he needs to slow his aggression down a little bit, or he's going to hurt his team, and you saw that the other night. Yeah, I agree with, with uh, what you're saying for the most part. I, I think I do think LeBron was calculated in what he was doing. I do think like LeBron has got to hear all the time stuff like that. He's probably here. In fact, I would guess that he's probably been called a bitch at least once in previous games in this series by Draymond Green. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't and, think like the- and not but, only that, he's probably called that by, by fans all the time. I'm sure he hears it every where he goes and he's in the, the public spotlight. I just, I, I feel like that's a word that people throw around and it applies to LeBron James in many aspects of what we see of him in his public life. I'm not speaking about his family or anything like that, but what we, what he shows on the basketball court and in interviews, I think it applies to him. So people say it. You've had to have heard it before. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think he, he had to have heard it before. I think he probably heard it from Draymond before because, like you said, Draymond is the character who did that. And LeBron took the opportunity then to uh, antagonize Draymond into getting himself uh, a flagrant foul. Now, yes, I agree. With, I also agree with you that Draymond is, you know, too out of control sometimes. Um, I think that, you know, like he, the way he flails around like a wild person can be reckless and, and can hurt people, and you can argue – like, you know, maybe he should learn to tone that down a little bit sometimes, although at a certain point you have to argue, uh, you know, how is that going to affect his effectiveness as a player? But I think in this case, knowing that you needed one more technical foul, or I'm sorry, two more technical fouls, right, and one more flagrant foul to be suspended for a game, that it was, you know, right. probably about, even though, I, look, the people who are saying, like, this is not a technical foul, Draymond should not have been suspended for this game, it would certainly, oh, he got charged with a flagrant foul, right? Yeah, there's not, there was not a flagrant one, he shouldn't have been suspended for the game. I agree. To me, like, the no call was the right call in that scenario. Uh, you know, maybe you call a double foul on them for, for, you know, playing overly physical. But I don't, like, I don't see, like, people are like, oh, uh, you know, Draymond is, is a nut puncher. Like, I didn't see that as a, you know, a nut punch per se, so much as, like, LeBron was walking past him and Draymond was sort of, like, flailing his arm towards him. But I I didn't think that he made enough contact to even, like, call that a common foul. It's like if you swing your arm at somebody, you know, sideways or, like, you're trying to push somebody, but they're not actually on you and you sort of just put, put your arm out there. That's what that play was to me. The amount of contact made, like, wasn't even enough. Like, LeBron was, it clearly if he had hit him with any sort of uh, violence, LeBron would have reacted uh, toward the coin area. Instead, he reacted sort of to what uh, what Draymond was saying to him and got in his face for that reason. So, I don't, and, you know, at the time it wasn't even an issue. I, I think that part of it was like the media uh, saying, you know, should Draymond be suspended? Well, here's the problem. Once that became a question, like people, you know, columnists and people were asking it, like should Draymond be suspended for game five? I think the NBA basically had no other choice but to suspend him because the the Stephen Adams play in which there's a definite argument that Draymond should have been suspended. He wasn't suspended for that game in that series. And I think if you if you have an incident that's floating around out there and people are, are asking, you know, whether or not he should be suspended, I knew the second that happened that, that he was going to have to be suspended, even though I, I think that the contact itself didn't warrant it. Yeah, and it, it sort of speaks to the same thing that I said about how if anybody else on the team had gotten in LeBron's ear, maybe LeBron doesn't react that way. At the same time, if anybody else on the team uh, gets into that physical altercation with LeBron, maybe they get a flagrant one elevated uh, later after the league reviews it, but not as many people would be talking about it, and they wouldn't have gotten suspended because they weren't at the trigger point like Draymond Green was, and he himself said that he wasn't going to change the style of his style of play and that he was still going to be as aggressive as possible and just play as, as wild as he is known to play, even at, though he was at that line of potentially getting suspended. So he knew that the risk was there and he chose to continue on and his team suffered because of it. And a lot of people, the Warriors themselves are saying there's no excuse for losing the game five the way they did uh, without Draymond Green. But the fact of the matter is, Calvin, 
if he's not out there, LeBron James can run wild. And then if anybody else on the Cavs has a has a good to great game like Kyrie Irving did, he had an excellent game, then they are going to be very tough to stop if Green is not out there. Golden's, it's funny that he is pretty much the linchpin for that team in this matchup. Well, I, I agree. There was a stat that um, somebody came up with on ESPN that said, I think it was Zach Lowe, that, uh, that the Warriors were plus 53 with Draymond Green at center and minus 83 with him playing any, with him, you know, playing any other position or uh, being or not being on the court. And I think that that shows the difference in, in the series. But um, to my mind, it, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think people are, are making a big deal of uh, LeBron and Kyrie going off for 41 each, and, like, people are making a big deal of uh, the Warriors going cold. But how do they go off for 41 each? It's because the, 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 Warriors, the Warriors could not defend the rim like they had earlier in the series. Like, Iguodala tried his best. The thing about Iguodala is, is there's usually a second man helping out Without Draymond on the court, it was clear that, and especially with Bogut, who got in foul trouble early, and then you know he got, he got that knee injury. Uh, it, they were down to like Azili as their primary defender on the inside, and then they they don't like to play him too much, so they were playing guys like you know James Michael McAdoo, who I did not expect to see play so many minutes in the finals, and you know guys like Harrison Barnes having to play center. That's not gonna. It's not gonna work against the Cavaliers. Like that's that's a bridge too far for the, to expect that defense to to hold up under that, those kind of circumstances. And Draymond is clearly their defensive MVP. I thought that that to me made the difference. Like I think they they still could have won that game uh, going cold, but like they couldn't they couldn't stop the Cavs at all. And a lot of their offense so, was created through turnovers. So I think Game Six is going to be a, a even better indicator. And if it goes to Game Seven, then of course the Warriors at, at home. We'll see what happens. But game six is going to be an even better indicator of how important Draymond Green really is. If the Warriors can come out and play well with Green in the lineup and win that game, then it will show you that it's not a combination of him and Bogut that made them lose game five uh, and them trying to sprinkle in guys like Spates and other players that, that aren't really great defenders uh, at, 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 in place of Draymond Green. It's going to show you that if Bogut's out and Green is in and they win, then Green is the guy. It doesn't matter who the, the big man is down low. Hopefully they get some more out of Izzyli and maybe Spades can give them something. But on the other side, you look at what the Cavs did when Kevin Love missed time. They turned to Richard Jefferson. And I actually said on our show last week that Richard Jefferson was a guy that they, that was going to have to play well if they w- wanted to win going forward without Kevin Love. And he stepped in and he he did play pretty well, but it, it actually shows you the disparity between the two benches, Calvin, because, yeah, the Cavs have the best player in the series, arguably LeBron James, especially in this matchup. Steph Curry's been quiet. and the But if the Warriors... If you look at their top three, I would say that that they are better. And even if you look at their starting lineup, when healthy, they look like they're the better team. But when you start sprinkling in guys off the bench where they're trying to fill a a role of a a really good role player, Cleveland might have the edge. Because if Richard Jefferson is going to give them minutes like he he gave them the other night, and you're looking down the the end of the bench – 
for Golden State, and they're throwing Isley out there. And it just, to me, I, I start to wonder how deep that Warriors team really is if Steph Curry and Klay Thompson can't get things going. And like I said, I, I'm not trying to take away anything from what they did in Game 5 because they both had pretty good games, but it wasn't enough because there wasn't enough around them. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think it will. Let me ask you this question: If you're if you're a Draymond Green, okay, do you is there a part of you that like feels good that they obviously not that they lost, but like that, that your value is confirmed in the fact that like you just play the team the defense looks so much worse? No, because I think that he knew he knows that already, or he at least believes that already, and I think the team also agrees with that, regardless of what they say in the media, that they shouldn't have lost, that it's no excuse, that they could have won without him, all this stuff. Uh, it, it, I mean, I, I think that they feel that way about him, and they don't want to show any sign of weakness with him being out, but I think behind closed doors, they look at him as that type of guy, and they know that when, if he's going to be back in game six, or when he is back in game six, that they're, they're going to have a lot better chance to, to knock this Cleveland team out. So do you do you think that uh, the Warriors are in any kind of trouble here, or do you think they're they're still in pretty good shape? Uh, the fall is still on that court. Honestly, I would have a, I would have a hard time sort of trying to justify the fact that Cleveland would win four games in a row against this team. And I mean, I would just say it was probably poor play on the Warriors' part. But if LeBron James goes for forty two more games in a row, and somebody else on his team joins him in that thirty to forty games or 30 to 40 point range, then I guess that's your justification. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think they're in trouble. I think that they're going to pull it out, but there is a scenario obviously where it could fall apart for them. I just don't see it happening because I think that they, uh, especially getting Draymond back for game six are, are going to be back to normal. And regardless of who they throw out there at center, whether it's him or somebody else off the bench, I think they're going to be ready. Yeah, I'll take the Warriors in Game 6. I don't think it goes to Game 7. I, I think they bounce back and they win in Cleveland. I'm, I'll call it right now. All right, there he goes, Calvin Chamberlain. Um, all right, so let's move on to the Boston Celtics. Actually, let me look at the board here. Who knows if anybody's called us at 323-642-1484. Nobody has because who knows why. Um, you haven't given out the number. That's right. I never give out the number. I'm not welcoming to callers. That's why, I guess. Nobody wants to talk to me. You're not warm. That's the thing. You're, you're, cold, and, you're cold and distant and unapproachable. <laughs> it's funny. I don't like talking on the phone, but I'll talk to you for 90 minutes every week. It's strange. Now <laughs> um, yeah, you use the headset. Are you in the wind? That's right. I used the headset. That's true. Uh, sorry about that. I, oh, it's uh, your air conditioner. How hot is it out there, pal? Oh, it's not the air conditioner. It's just a fan. Uh, it's not Got too it. bad. It's like, yeah. I just like air circulation as well. I don't blame you. I'm sure that the people like listening to the whirring sound, too. It's probably soothing to them. Um, the Celtics are next, and there's so much speculation going around about what they can do, what they will do. And at this point, you know what? 
I'm not looking for Danny Ainge to sell the farm here. I don't want him to dump multiple picks and a player or two for a above-average star in this league. I would rather have him just take the player that he thinks is going to be the best in the future, and, and by future I mean in the next three to five years where they can keep him under contract and still have him as a uh, as a valuable asset. I don't know who that player is because I don't follow the, the draft enough, but it seems like people across the league who do follow the draft, scouts, etc., are starting to say that this draft is a lot deeper than anybody expected it to be. So maybe that makes the, the value of those picks a little bit higher, but I, I do tend to trust Danny Ainge and drafting talent. So while I would ideally like them to be able to swing the, th- the three pick for a, a superstar type of talent, like an all, another all-star player, I'm, I'm coming more to this realization, Calvin, that I don't want them to give up any of these younger players that they have on their team, like Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder. And it's not because of their talent. It's because of the value of their contracts. And I like them all as players. Their talent is there, but the value of these guys' contracts over the next couple of years is so high. And I might be talking myself into another mediocre season or two, but if you have to ship off multiple picks and multiple players for the All-Star this year, Wait, a, wait another year, have another playoff year, maybe win a round, try again next year because you still have assets down the line that you can use. Right. I, in, in theory, I hear you, but, well, first of all, first we'll, we'll, we'll get to uh, specifically, like, obviously you said you're not a fan of uh, – uh, you, oh, you're not a fan of college basketball, so you don't have – a specific guy in mind that you think this the Celtics should get. I'm sure you you must have some ideas just based on when, obviously without seeing them play. You know that you know you know that Chris Dunn, for example, is a point guard, and, and yes. maybe you do or maybe you don't want a point guard. Buddy Heald is a shooter. Maybe you do or don't want a shooter who doesn't necessarily play defense. You know what I mean? Like you, there's like. There's the log line for these guys. There's a guy like Jalen Brown who uh, Danny Ainge supposedly prefers right now if they draft uh, him at the, at the third pick, but who knows if that's true, who's a you know a, a super unfinished uh, athlete type who, you know, maybe you like that idea for potential, but he's not necessarily a finished product guy at all. Maybe, maybe you prefer him. Maybe you prefer Bender, you know, the European guy. Whatever, I'm, I'm sure you uh, you have an idea in your head of like this this guy I would like more than that guy. We we talk about that if you want, but I think I think the, the bigger issue, yeah, it is a, a deep draft and that could bode well for the Celtics. But to my mind, the, the bigger problem is how, how many how many picks do they have in in this year's draft right now? They eight total. Picks. They have three in the first round and five in the second round. Incredible, eight total picks, and obviously. There's not enough room on their active roster for that. I don't know how many players they're allowed to assign to the D-League. And I would imagine that they are going to look at some international players that they can stash, just like the San Antonio Spurs have done in the past. Right. See, that's the issue to me is they have too many picks, not enough roster spots. They've already got, you know, a fair amount of young guys. I mean, are they going to just cut guys like, you know, George Mickey and, and James Young? Like, 
It's funny you say that, Calvin, because I was reading an article earlier today, and uh, it uh, it's from Chad Ford, who actually put some information out there that the Celtics may be, may be trying to get Jokic or Nurkic from Denver for their number three pick, which to me is outrageous, and I don't even want to discuss it, so I'm just going to mention it in a passing by because I want to use one of Chad Ford's other articles for this. Uh, he has suggested five different NBA trades that he thinks should happen and the one that I and probably you are most interested in is uh, one between the Lakers and the Celtics that he suggested here. So it works out. Let's see what, uh, what you think of this. He's saying that the Celtics should give the Lakers their number three and 16 first-round picks, Jonas Jarebko, R.J. Hunter, and Jordan Mickey in exchange for – the big two out there, D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle. First of all, how do you feel about that? And second of all, I don't, I don't think that the Lakers would do that because they'd basically be saying that they were wrong on Russell and Randle and they need a, a do-over. So I don't know if I like the trade as far as the Celtics are concerned, but it would be good knowing that, they've, they, that they're getting two players that can play in the league as opposed to this pile of not-so-sure and Jonas Drebko and two picks. The two picks were, were three and what? What was the other one? Three and 16. Yeah, I hate that trade. I, I, I don't like it at all. So uh, Chad Ford's, Chad Ford's uh, reasoning behind the, why the Lakers would do it is that they would get um, Brandon Ingram, and then they would be able to choose between Chris Dunn and uh, somebody else here. What is this guy's name? Chris? Oh, Marquise Chris. Um, and that they have already given up on D'Angelo Russell. So they're they're just going to trade him away. That's that's kind of their their think his thinking there. And uh, also that he, he believes that Jordan Mickey, I guess, is going to be a decent player in the league. But I'm with you as far as the Lakers are concerned. I don't think it would be a, a very smart trade to do. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Lakers are nearly as uh, negative on D'Angelo. I, I think that that a lot of that has to do with the the whole Nick Young uh, scenario, which, uh, as it came out, was was somebody else leaking that information of the joke between them. Sort of, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it doesn't reflect, you know, greatly on D'Angelo, but I don't think it it says that he's a bad person or a rat. I, I don't think it's going to linger on his career like some people do. And, I don't think the Lakers are low on him at all. I'm not opposed to moving Randall in the right situation. Like, I would make that deal maybe for Randall and Clarkson. I would not be completely opposed to that deal. But, yeah, for Randall and D'Angelo, oh. I would definitely. The other thing that confuses me about this proposed offer by Chad Ford on ESPN is that the Celtics are getting a big man in, in um, Randall they already have a backlog at big men. So there has to be another move in the works. So you have to find a way to move a Kelly Olenek or a Jared Sullinger because those guys are still on the roster for at least this, this next year, you know? No, isn't uh, Sullinger a free agent? Is he not? Or at least oh, a man, no, I mean, I th- oh, maybe he's restricted. 
Yeah, I'll, think, I'll, I think I'll double check that right now, but uh, that would be great if, if Sillinger was gone. I hate and that guy is useless. I just assume the Ainge is going to bring everybody back at this point, you know? Well, that's what I was going to say about the other point that you made about trading for. I think I, I think uh, I don't agree with either point completely because one, you only have so many roster spots. Uh, a trade. It just makes it makes more sense because it's just going to feel like you're wasting picks. This is a deep draft, and that's great. Um, I think that it's to, to me. I would guess that it's probably what seventy percent likely that they move at least at least a third pick in some sort of scenario. I would I would hope so. That's one. That's the one that they would like to move. I don't think they want to pick another player that early in the draft. As nice as the pick it can could be. Um, I think they'd rather get an established player if they can. And actually, Sullinger, uh, Sullinger is, uh, has a qualifying offer this coming year, so it depends on whether the Celtics actually extend that qualifying offer to him or not. But it's $3.2 million, so who knows, Calvin? They may think they can get a good value on that contract if they're not going to be able to uh, pull a trade or something like that and just – start finding a way to cut other guys and ship off other guys. Who knows? Jared Selinger could be back in the Celtics uniform next year. And the same goes for Amir Johnston and Jonas Drevko. Those guys both have team options. But if they can't find players that are going to be immediate impacts, then I would expect them to either dump a couple of second rounders for uh, a future pick or and sign these guys, extend them, or uh, – you know, just sign players that they can stash, whether in the D League or overseas, and that's dangerous, if you ask me. The Spurs have been good at it, but they're basically the only team out of 30 that has been. Nobody else has been able to figure this thing out and and, and draft a international player that that stays overseas for a significant period of time to develop. We're not looking. I mean. It, they're few and far between. Dirk Nowitzki basically came over to the league when he was drafted and, and played pretty well. Yeah, he developed before he was drafted, but guys like that don't come around. So it's it's tough to hit on a guy like that if you have to leave him in a underdeveloped league overseas for a year or two. So if you're if you're pro Jackson stash. Let's say you, hypothetically, before we get into you know some of these options for three, uh, hypothetically you end up with a three. Would you would you be pro Bender then for that reason? See, I'm not saying that I am pro that. I'm saying that I believe the Celtics are going to be forced into that because teams around the league are not going to give them proper value for some of the picks that they may have, or at least proper value for how Danny Ainge looks at the draft because we know that he's always trying to to get more than what he actually holds. Um, but that could come back to bite him this year. And this is going to be the, the, the year that it, that the, it could fall really flat for the Celtics in the draft. Because if he does have to stash uh, a handful of guys, who knows? You, you never know what's going to happen with those guys. And you never know whether they're going to fit in the team or fit in with the team when they come over. And it just... It seems to be a dangerous game. So drafting Bender at three, to me, is probably not worth it. I'd rather Ainge goes after a, a, a player that he thinks can 
play right now at three. But when it comes to stashing guys, it's going to be the later picks that he is going to have to take some chances on, and that's where it's going to be even more difficult to find someone. So that's why I think that this draft is just – it's really going to come back and hurt the Celtics. See, my, pro- my problem with the three-pick in this year's draft is that, yeah, like, even though it's reported to be a, a deep draft, it's not a particularly high-end talent draft beyond the, the first two guys. Like, somebody, you know, somebody from lower in that draft could turn out to be a star, but it's like who that person is is not – it's not at all clear. You know what I mean? It's not – like, whoever you end up with at three, it could be a solid player uh, potentially, but – it doesn't seem to be like like third pick in the draft worthy necessarily. I don't know if you agree with that or not. But the the there's main rumors that are out there. Let's, well, let's talk about the big. Well, right, hold on. I just want to I just want to quickly go over the last or let's go over the last ten years of players quickly that went number three in the draft. And okay, actually, I'll go back. So it's Otto Porter, Bradley Beal. Enos Cantor, Derek Favors, James Harden, O.J. Mayo, uh, Al Horford, Adam Morrison, Deron Williams, and Ben Gordon. And just before that, Carmelo Anthony. So just going through that list, there are guys that coming out of college were clearly a top five NBA prospect. Carmelo Anthony was one of them. Um, I, I, I think that people were high on Derek Favors when he came into the league. Um, people were certainly – High on Adam Paul Morrison, and, but he fell on his face. I'm sorry. Wasn't Chris Paul the third pick in the draft too? Do we high on him? Chris Paul. I don't think so. He's not on this list. I don't know what year that was. Hmm. I'll check that. But I mean, going further back, you're looking at guys like Chauncey Billups, uh, who was a question mark out of out of college and turned into a solid player. Um, Jerry Stackhouse again, solid player in college, but also just the middle of the road solid player in the NBA. The point is, this is a list of a bunch of random guys as far as the NBA is concerned. None of these guys carried their teams to a championship. Some of them have a chance still, of course, they're still in the league. James Harden, Carmelo Anthony, Pau Gasol was part of a championship. He was drafted third. Same thing goes for uh, uh, Chauncey Billups. But guys like Darius Miles were drafted third. Guys like uh, Sharif Abdur-Rahim were drafted third. He was a big bust when you look at his career as a whole. He was supposed to be the next big thing coming out of college. Uh, He got hurt, sure, but he also did not really play that well when when he was healthy. Grant Hill is a sad story. He got hurt a lot, and he was a good player. But, I mean, Anthony Hardaway, another guy. Just going down the list of third, third overall draft picks. And, of course, the big one, Michael Jordan. I mean, it's hit or miss, obviously. This is the point. You never know, and this is the way it usually goes in the, in the NBA draft. There's usually a clear-cut one, maybe a two, and after that, you're just hoping that a guy fits in and that you can help move him along and – he becomes a superstar. The Celtics haven't had much luck with that. Yeah, they haven't. But you know, who, who knows? I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm not trying to, to crap all over this pick. I just feel like 
um, and again, I, you're right. I'm not a college person. I don't necessarily understand this, but I, from, from what I've heard is that Simmons and Ingram are miles ahead of the the next guys, and I've, I've seen some of their highlights. And I don't know if I if I was them, just based on the situation with how many roster spots they have, uh, the fact that they can get value, the fact that they have a team that you know is, is full of role players right now that need they need a star player to take them to the next step. Why take that? the risk, especially if that number three pick has a lot of value, on you know waiting another three years for that guy, at which point your, your guys who are under contract are you know going to want more money, you're going to leave as free agents, and then maybe you don't have the team you have. Like The timeline matches up with them getting uh, a more talented player now. And, and with that in mind, let's, let's talk about the big three, the big three rumors. Yeah, I would love to talk about the big th- three rumors in just a second. I'm just looking at this 2005 NBA draft because I wanted to see where Chris Paul went, as you asked. He actually went fourth. Yeah. Right. Bogut, Marvin Williams, Deron Williams, Chris Paul. Marvin Williams, big potential out of college. When you look at the rest of this 2005 NBA draft, it is just a list of nobodies. Yaroslav Korolev went 12th to the Clippers. I have—I don't even think I've ever seen that name before, and I know a lot of random NBA names that go back 20 years. I mean, I recognize a lot of these other names, but that guy going 12th, I just want to throw that out there. Yaroslav Korolev. I don't know if he ever played a game. But that's the same uh, draft that Amir Johnson went in, the 56th player. Of that draft. There you go. So there you go, Celtics find, fans. Yeah, he went he after Ryan play. Gomes, one of my favorite Celtics of the of the time that he played. I don't know why. Probably because he was a local boy. Anyway, what are the scenarios for number three, Calvin? Scenarios for number three, really. Okay, the most common one thrown out there, and uh, one that makes a, a lot of sense, you can argue, but... I, I think you, Roy, you're already on the record is not particularly lo- loving this guy. Uh, the Boston Celtics trading with the Philadelphia 76ers, the number three pick straight up for Jaheel Okafor. Yeah, it's too bad that Philadelphia has marked him as the trade uh, piece and not no- Noel um, to bring Noel back home to Massachusetts. That would be nice. Revere boy, I believe, or Everett, one or the other. Everett. I think um, I think they. Probably, I mean, if, if that was what was thrown out there, I think that they would they would totally be open to moving Noel for the number three pick. I would I, rather I have Noel than Okafor. Is my point, and I, I don't. I'm not really sold on Okafor, and I think it's more a defensive thing for me. He seems to have some offensive prowess, but he needs to be better defensively. And for a big man, he's not a great rebounder. So I, I think that there are guys that would beat him for minutes on the Celtics as young as he is. And if if Jared Sellinger came into camp in shape, he would beat Okafor for minutes in my mind. And that's not good because he's not a great NBA player. So if, if Okafor can't get on the floor, then there's no reason to bring him here. I think Noel steps on the floor immediately and plays 25, 30 minutes a game for the Boston Celtics. So I would rather have him over Jaleel Okafor because he's still a work in progress. And Noel, to me, has shown that he is already a – player that can make an impact in an NBA game uh, consistently, whether, even though it's not on the offensive end. 
Yeah, I've heard I've heard some chatter about them getting Okafor with the idea that like Okafor then becomes uh, a trade ship for them to move in a, in, in a different scenario. But what what doesn't make sense to me about that is like Jaheel Okafor right now is on the block. Whether or not he goes to the Celtics, which again is it's like the most common thing thrown out there, it's, I think just because it makes logical sense because the Sixers love Chris Dunn. I, I, I think that Shaquille Okafor is getting traded, and if somebody really wants Shaquille Okafor, they can have. I don't see how his value is different with the Celtics trading him than it is with Philadelphia trading him. So I, I don't. I think if they if they did trade for him, it's because they want him as their pick man. But my thing with him is it's not even the fact that his defense isn't great because I think one, uh, you know, none of the Celtics uh, centers are really that great of defenders, and if you if you play him with a guy like Amir, I think he'd be fine. But I, my issue with him, him is, and why I worry about him becoming another Al Jefferson, I just don't think his court vision is that good. His passing, like, I, I feel like, yeah, his rebounding is definitely an issue, but, like, I feel like his passing is too slow. So he can't, he doesn't, like, you know, pass the ball quickly out of double teams to set up three-pointers. And, like, like his whole idea with, you know, a guy like Jaheel Okafor on the inside is that, that he's supposed to draw a double team, you know, like we see with LeBron, who's not a center, but functionally has been a center in these finals, and then kicking the ball out to somebody else. But I don't think his ball handling is quick or his decision-making is quick enough to, like, do that functionally in the NBA. So I guess that's why I don't love. Like people have talked about Shaquille Okafor to the Lakers too. I don't. I don't love that move for Okafor. Yeah, wouldn't but you rather just hand, have Randall play center if you're if you're the Lakers? Just keep Randall. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you're right. The way he rebounds, but I'm, uh, Randall needs to get better defensively too. But um, he, unfortunately, he's a little short on for that. But uh, I, I think that the. Uh, the, the good side about getting Okafor, I guess, is that like he's definitely, you know, if the if the NBA draft were happening right now, okay, and Okafor played another year of college, and he, you know, he put up let's say slightly better stats, like you would, I feel like you would be thrilled to get Okafor with the number three pick right now. I think he's better, or at least like a more finished product than the guys who were in the draft. It's just the the appeal, the appeal of like the wild card and not seeing guys play in the NBA yet. Is, is like better than the like he's all right feel of Jaheel Okafor. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. I I mean I he definitely is better than Dragon Bender. He's be, he's probably a, a better big man because what who are the other big men really in the draft right now? You're looking at a lot of shooters in that uh, four to ten pick range. I think if you're looking at the best talent in the draft, the best player in the draft as Danny Ainge supposedly always does. So if you're looking at a big man then then yeah I think you, you as the Celtics would rather have Okafor and I would as well rather have Okafor than the number three pick but the idea of Okafor in general I don't really like so I would definitely explore other options if I were Danny Ainge. All right, and now, now for the option that did you probably favor in the most is, and it's been out there lately uh, with the Timberwolves, but the Celtics are, are, I guess, the other primary contender from right now. What is a trade for Jimmy Butler? Bring it on! What, what's the what's the haul that Chicago's going to get from the Celtics in your mind for for Jimmy Butler? What is it 
that, that you think is a, is a good value, because then I'll throw out what I think is there. Uh, it, it, because, listen, like I said earlier in the show, I, I, I don't want to sell the farm for a above-average star in this league. And Jimmy Butler, to me, is a superstar, all-star type of player, but as much as I love the guy, he's not the over-the-top player that some people may think he is. There's, they would still need another piece. So I'm going to temper my my trade offer with that before I hear what yours would be. All right, here, here's my offer. Th- three? I think they have 23, right? They have 16 and 23? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Whatever it is, I know they have one of the 20s. Three, 23, and Marcus Smart. Um, I think that's a deal for me. I think I would do that. As much as I love Marcus Smart, I think I would do that. And he is on the list of untouchables. But as long as you're not pairing him with one of those other untouchables, and uh, I guess the 16 pick probably has a little more value than 23, that's that's fine with me. You know, I kind of think that I would do that. The problem therein would be who's who's your backup point guard. uh, And... By all accounts, the Celtics do have faith in Terry Rozier, so maybe he could be that player. But um, Marcus Smart brings this sort of intensity that it seems nobody else on the team has. So that would be a tough pill to swallow, and I would just hope that uh, Jimmy Butler would be playing his ass off for the Celtics and, and not bringing any sort of attitude that he may perceive, that people may perceive that he has in Chicago right now. I mean, your backup point guard now is kind of Evan Turner, right? So I, I'm assuming it'd probably still be Evan Turner in, in, in that scenario. Jimmy Butler could probably play the, the Marcus Smart role, except that he'd be, he'd be a starter. Would you do the same, yeah. same, would you do the same trade, but uh, replace Smart with Bradley out of curiosity? Yeah, I don't know about that. I I turned the corner on Bradley a couple weeks ago, and I think Mike Munger would be proud of me. Uh, But Bradley, to me, see, the thing that made me sort of flip the switch on him, and you're you're, going to probably think it's petty and stupid, uh, but it's it's the all-NBA defensive team, Calvin. It's that vote. It's it's the respect of the, the people that are watching the game and covering the game. And to me, while it's it's two separate mediums, that at some point is going to translate to the referees as well, and he's going to start getting calls. And I just see Avery Bradley still going towards the top of the mountain that is his defensive ability. I think that he hasn't reached his peak yet, and he's, he's still improving his shot as well. And even though a year – or two ago, I said that Bradley looked like he was going to plateau as far as defensive player is concerned. I didn't consider the fact that he still had some more respect to be earned around the league. And I think once people start looking at you as a great defender, even if you take a step back and you still putting put the effort out there, at least close to what you used to be doing, you're going to get calls and you're you're going to get guys not necessarily – uh, going at you as hard because 
they think that you're going to get the call. So I think that Bradley's actually taken a step forward with this stupid award that he get that he got as far as being all defensive uh, first team in the NBA and the leading vote getter for guards, by the way. I mean, yeah, I do, I do, I do kind of think that's a stupid reason. But that being said, like I, I think that uh, Avery Bradley did take a big step forward this year. I said that uh, on the Celtics post game show multiple times. I think. Well, that, yeah, uh, but, that, but I, my point is that it's being recognized. Like I agree with all of this. I think that he did play very well and he was great defensively. But the fact that it's being recognized by other people around the league to me is is a good thing for him. I guess I th- I thought he took a, a a big step forward this season, and I, I made the argument before just because I while he's always been a great man defender, I've always thought that his his team defense wasn't great at times. Like he like he would get screened off, or like he didn't know what to do in screen situations, or like he in, in like trapping situations, he wasn't good. Even though like as a man defender, he was awesome, but like. In this year in particular, he seems to have figured that out, and I think that's making a huge difference. So, I, yeah, I understand your reluctance to move Bradley forward, Jimmy Butler, even though they, you know, they play the same position, and uh, you know, having them both, you can argue having them both on the court. Uh, although, you know, Jimmy Butler could play well, small. Well, you know what? I, honestly, I think if you were to get, go get Jimmy Butler and keep Bradley, then you'd start playing a little smaller, and you'd have Jay Crowder at the four, and Butler would play your yeah. three, and uh, you would put Bradley on, on probably the, the toughest guard or guard to defend and Butler just plays a little bit small on the small forward side and whoever your center is, whether it's Amir Johnson or Jared Solinger or whoever, I mean you're you're starting to spread things out. Kelly Olenek, that's probably the way it would it would go, uh in my mind anyway. Alright, well what about the um you know the 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 clip the good chicken Jared Sonninger, uh Kevin Love Cleveland's own Kevin Love who you know assuming they lose in the finals, which obviously you know may take them off the board if they do win, but probably not even if they do win at this point, right? How do you feel about the Celtics trading for yeah, Kevin? They don't Love? want Kevin Love. The, the the Cavs don't want Kevin Love, and they're trying to make it seem like they may want Kevin Love. I think, and it's just it's they're so to clear. It's so yeah, of course. It's so clear that he doesn't fit there, and I think you and I both agreed that it wasn't going to work uh, before things had started going there in Cleveland. It just it it doesn't it didn't seem like a good fit to me anyway because I I felt like Kevin Love needs to be a two or three, and he he just I don't know if he's willing to be a two or three, and when he's looking at LeBron and Kyrie Irving really playing well together. Uh, he just sort of hangs out in the corner and doesn't really do anything. And he's not a great defender. He needs to be in a better system that, that works around him a little bit more. And I think the Celtics would be a better fit for him. But again, this is all about value here. And this is definitely what Danny Ainge is thinking as well. I'm not sure if Kevin Love is the guy that puts you over the top. So what are you giving up for Kevin Love? If you're sending the three pick and Jared Sullinger, fine. If you're sending Olenek, fine. I mean, if they'll take Amir Johnson off your hands for some reason, because his contract is kind of gaudy, that's fine with me as well. But I'm not going to dump a bunch of future picks for Kevin Love or anything like that. 
I'm going to try and keep all the Brooklyn picks that we have coming down or the Celtics have coming down the line because I think those are still going to be valuable. And I'm, I'm really not mortgaging the future for Kevin Love. I would give as many picks as they want in this year's draft for him uh, and a, a, one of those players that I just listed and maybe a few others. It's, in this case, it's hard for me. It's hard to come up with a concrete uh, scenario for Kevin Love because the Celtics don't have what Cleveland would want, which is like, you know, talent coming back immediately. Do I think right. that, do I think that the Celtics would, you know, trade, uh, you know, Crowder and Bradley for Kevin Love? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think the, the Celtics are Hell looking no. to trade their picks. <laughs> Hell no. Yeah, I Hell think no. they're looking to, to trade their picks. So, although you know, I, I wonder if they would take Crowder straight up for Kevin Love, like Crowder in hmm. a pick. I, that just doesn't sound good to me. That that doesn't sound good to me for salary reasons. It doesn't doesn't sound good for me to me for key, team chemistry reasons. I don't like that for defensive reasons. Jay Crowder has taken so many strides in my mind. I two or three years ago, I was looking at him as a bottom of the barrel nobody on the Dallas Mavericks who couldn't crack the lineup. He must stink if he can't play on that team, the team that he was drafted by. And he has just blossomed here in Boston. He's playing out of his mind. And I just think that he is one of the prizes that Danny Ainge can put on his mantle as far as trades are concerned when people start to say, well, what what trades has Danny Ainge made? Has he made good trades or bad trades going back and forth? I think the Rondo trade has worked out really well for him because he has Jay Crowder playing at a high level and he fits the system and his contract is extremely reasonable for a player that is producing the way that he did last year. So I, I just, I, I, I am extremely hesitant to give him up for anyone really because the value is so high and his, his effort level is so high. Well, you have to let go of the salary thing just based like, I'm not sure, you know, that anyone coming into this offseason really has a bad contract, uh, you know, in, until these next uh, until this next salary structure comes into place. I mean, obviously, Kobe had a bad contract this year, but, like, going into this next season, the, some of the free agents will have a bad contract, but Kevin Love's contract at this point is not going to be a bad contract. So you got to pay that hey, money But compared to, to Jay Crowder's, it would be. It's it's double the money. It's just, it, it would be... It wouldn't make any I guess sense. My point, that only, but, but that only matters, Murray, is if, like, if the Celtics get, you know, Kevin Love and Kevin Durant, you know, and somebody okay, else. Okay, well, is, if, isn't that the idea, though? Isn't that the idea? You're, you're not going – you're not trying to get Kevin Love to put you over the top. If you're going to get Kevin Love, you still need something else. So, to me, if you're going after somebody that you still need something else for, you keep a guy like Jay Crowder and you get – be something else, and then go after the big fish next year. Like in in next season's. Uh, yeah, I think which is why which is why I I would say go after and go hard after a guy like Jimmy Butler, and let Durant sign his one year deal in Oklahoma City, and say hey, Kevin Durant, look what we have here, Jimmy Butler, Isaiah Thomas. And then you let Crowder but, go if that's what it takes. Well, my point is, is with the with the cap situation the way it is now, anyone who's under a contract 
right now. Anyone who's under a contract, especially like that's you know through the next two years, he's uh, he is technically under a good contract. If you're not a free agent after next season, you if you have a guy who you want who's under a contract uh, for after next season, then that's great. It doesn't even matter what the numbers are. It's great. You you would still be able to sign Kevin Durant or whoever you wanted, you know, in, well, in the next offseason. It just depends on if they if they you know overspend on if they if they give you know Al Horford for example the the new max contract then maybe you say like we shouldn't have done that okay although somebody's going to do that well but, I guess but, I guess yeah uh, sorry I guess I, it just you, comes down to the fact that I would rather have Jay Crowder than Kevin Love at this point right. and I'm buying into the the uh, the hype coming out of Cleveland that he's no good because Cleveland is great without him. Listen, the guy has always kind of been soft, and his Minnesota teams went nowhere. And yeah, he didn't have anything around him. But you can't even make the playoffs one time out there, buddy. Like I don't know, Calvin. I've always questioned his resolve, and I think he's an excellent rebounder, and I think that he's one of the best rebounders of all time. And there were times where I thought he would have fit with the Celtics very well over the last two years, and I think they could have won championships with him with uh, some of the other players that they had on the team. But at this point, if they're not going to even win a round or two in the playoffs, I'd rather watch Jay Crowder night in, night out than Kevin Love. I just I've, I've t- lost total interest in this guy. Yeah, I, uh, I find that Kevin Love is undervalued at this point. I think that, like, the redundancy with LeBron and the fact that he's he's always in a spot like that doesn't fit his talent. I yeah, he's not playing well in this final. And I, I think that his his defense is not as bad as, as it lets on. He tops out as at about an average defender. He's just not a shot blocker. He and he's not great. Like the the type of defense that, that you know, a team like the Warriors play or or that make you play rather with their their, you know, switching uh you know, twenty seven foot three-point shots with Steph Curry. That's not the type of defense that, that Love is effective at. But, like, as, at a post defender, at a, you know, mid-range defender, he's not bad. But where's the so where's I, the effort, though? I don't – I just – I don't know. I don't really see the effort with him right now. And I don't know whether he's disinterested, if that's the case, and he's going to come to Boston and play like the Kevin Love of old and still have the effort and get double-doubles in 2020 games here and there, then absolutely, obviously, I want Kevin Love. I'm not going to deny that. If he's going to play – like his potential, but I don't. I just don't know if his head is in the game right now, and it, that's a, not an easy thing to get back. I, I don't think. Maybe a change of scenery is what he needs. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know uh, enough about Kevin Love. What the Celtics should do, I guess. Yeah. Enough. Should we this? Uh, I told her I'd warn her. So let's let's. Uh, Give her five minutes um, okay. and talk about this quickly, this Ichiro thing, and then we'll go to Liz. <clears throat> and then we'll continue on with our list. Um, so Pete Rose is is uh, pretty upset here because Ichiro broke his hit record, if you include the hits that Ichiro had in Japan. Uh, did, he, did he break it? Because... Uh... I know he was one behind yesterday, and I don't. I'm not sure if they've played yet today, but he's going to break it. So I guess it's irrelevant. 
Oh, I thought he had broken it, but possibly not. Either way, uh, yeah, he's he's not hurt. He's going to keep playing. Um, so I guess this comes down to whether you factor in all of the time that he spent in Japan playing baseball or not. And whether you look at the major leagues here in the United States as the end-all, be-all for professional baseball around the world. Now, we were talking about international basketball earlier and how those leagues are clearly underdeveloped compared to the NBA. And there are very few leagues that can even come close. Like EuroLeague basketball is getting there, you know. Uh, EuroLeague basketball teams might be able to compete with, actually probably would be able to compete with some of the lower-end NBA teams and maybe even some of the mid-range teams. Who knows? If one of the, those, those top teams in Greece came over, they might be able to compete. Uh, but the talent is pretty much all here in the United States. As far as baseball is concerned, they broke internationally many, many, many years ago. And Japan has had prominent talent for a lot of time, a long time, a very long time. And so while maybe they don't have all of the top pitchers in the world, I have to imagine that by now there are a lot of excellent baseball players, excellent pitchers in Japan and around Asia in general, around the world in general that aren't playing here in the majors, but they are playing in Japan. So, while Major League Baseball would love to love you for you to think that their scouts are the best in the world and they're getting all of the greatest talent, why would teams be paying upwards of $50, 60000000 million just for the rights to speak and talk to and sign international talent? Because that's what they do in the, in the Major Leagues now. So somebody else internationally has identified these players already, which tells me that the talent is there. And – Long story short, I do credit Ichiro for all, all, all of his hits out over there in Japan because he was talked about before he even came to the majors. He had amazing hit streaks in the majors and amazing hitting seasons in the major leagues. And uh, while, sure, he, he hasn't broken Pete Rose's Major League Baseball hit record, he will break the all-time professional baseball hit record, and uh, you, I think you have to give him credit for it. So screw you, Pete Rose. You're not in the Hall of Fame. Go away. Here's the thing. Okay, first I, I want to give Ichiro credit. All right, he's uh, he's 30 foot what 33 hits as well from having 3,000 hits in the major leagues for a guy who started in baseball at the age of 27. Like that's amazing. Ichiro, you know, one of the best hitters ever. You look at his average every year he's hitting, you know, three thirty. Like a great hitter, one of the best hitters ever. I don't think he needs, you know, Pete Rose's record to to cement himself uh, you know, on that list of all time great Hall of Famers. But I I do technically agree with Pete Rose that like that I, I don't think that a record uh in Major League Baseball should also, you know, you, you shouldn't also carry over the Japan League record to Major oh, League sure. Baseball. Not, not, because, not because it's, you know, those hits aren't valuable or, like, those hits aren't as meaningful. It's just that it's a different league. You know, uh, uh, Sabonis was uh, supposedly 
uh, one of the greatest centers of all time. You know, while he was there playing you go, with yeah. Russia, and he didn't, yeah, he didn't come over to the United States until till late in his in his career. But nobody's making the argument for you know Sabonis and Kareem were the two greatest NBA centers ever because it matters that it, right. know, he was in the. Well, NBA. that's why that's yeah. why I called it a major league baseball record. It's not a professional baseball record. It's a major league baseball record. Right. And I, and I think it, it's fair for Major League Baseball to, to keep its own stats. But that being but, said, but, does, but is it fair? But is it fair for Pete Rose to try and put his record of, uh, ahead of Ichiro's record? Well, that's 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 where it was going. Like, look again, Pete Rose technically correct, all right. But Pete Rose, you're never going to look good at being the guy, the, the old person who like craps on the younger person who's going after your record. Like, you can't you can't say, like, yes, it shouldn't count, even though you're technically accurate, because it just it just makes you look petty, and it makes you look stupid. I don't, I don't get why guys, like, don't understand why. Like, you should be happy that you're getting the attention that someone's, you know, approaching your record, uh, hypothetically, rather than going out of your way to try to bury this guy and, and you know, take credit away from him. That that would be like think, that would be like uh, Bill Russell, uh, hypothetically, obviously, because I don't think it's going to get to this point. But say LeBron James were to uh, win nine more championships, ten more championships, okay, but he's lost five of them. That would be like Bill Russell saying, uh, "He has more championships than me, but he also lost five more than I did, so he's not as good as me." Come on, give me a break. If the guy gets up to that number, he's he's definitely one of the all-time greats, and nobody's going to argue it. And so that's an extreme example uh, across a different sport, of course, but one that we're more familiar with. And listen, Pete Rose, get, get off my lawn, okay? I know how you feel, buddy. You don't want things digging up your lawn. Each row is a better hitter than you, pal. Just Chibunks. drink oh, your wow, juice, take a nap. Better hitter, huh? Take take your medicine. Go home. Yeah, and this that's the other thing. If you're Pete Rose, like you, you've already gotten your share of bad press, bro. Like you should uh, probably just be like, probably just like go out of your way to. I I feel like I'm flipping my my tone on a lot of these these sports topics recently because I used to be a Pete Rose supporter. I used to think he belonged in the Hall of Fame. I used to think he got a bad rap. But just the more that I see him conduct himself in the public eye the more i see the, the way that his life is unfolding i don't even care about this guy i'm tired i'm sick of this guy i don't want to hear about pete rose anymore just go away yeah agreed go away go away pete rose. go yeah, away ichiro, pete rose. yeah ichiro you yeah. want to come and have a barbecue at my house come on over anytime you want ichiro i'll, I'll invite ichiro to my place anytime calvin pete rose but- you can you can go somewhere else i don't want you here by the way, Marie, Ichiro is 42, and he's hitting like 330 this year. Like, yeah, he's killing it. This guy oh, is but ridiculous. it's soft. It's Kill soft it. competition in Japan, Calvin. That's what they say. That's what the critics say. Give me a break. Yeah, he's going, he's going up against a lot of soft Japanese pitchers now in Major League Baseball, way more than they used to be. Yeah. When Pete, when, when Pete Rose played, they, they weren't these you know lesser Japanese pitchers. <sighs> It's weak sauce. Just Pete Rose white, can just only white pitchers and Doc Ellis. Pete Rose That's should it. just go eat his egg whites and have a glass of Postum and 
you know, go to bed. Past, past your bedtime, P-Rose. Go to bed. Past your bedtime. Uh, you know who really should come around more often, though, instead of Pete Rose? Apologize. We don't. We don't have them here live. Fooled me. Really fooled yep. me. Hey guys. Uh, I heard hey. that you're going to make this the best episode of Careless Whispers ever, <laughs> and people are going to listen to it over and over again just for this segment. I hope you don't disappoint Calvin. <laughs> I I often do when I think that I have a really good game. You guys, you guys always tear me right down. But um, is that what's happening here, game? Huh? Is this is that what's happening here, game? Yeah, I I had a lot of fun making it. I have like a trivia game of sorts. You will see. But before we get to that, I just want to tell you earlier when you were talking about Jimmy Butler, I thought I thought that you said Jimmy Buffett. So I had like the most outrageous <laughs> vision in my head of Jimmy Buffett like playing basketball with no with no shoes on because he's always uh-huh. so he's, yeah he's gonna step on a pop top out there on the court better be careful <laughs> okay so here's how it's gonna work this is a trivia game where i'm gonna give you four words or phrases and you're gonna have to find the common theme and the common theme is a basketball player so i'm gonna give you like four for mostly they're just words, not phrases. And you have to figure out who I'm talking about. Okay. Does that make sense? Any basketball player. Yep. There's... All time. Are we taking Are we taking turns? How does this gonna work? I don't know. Do you guys want to like? You ever thought that through? Co-chair it? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. I didn't. We, uh, how many questions are there, Liz? There's six basketball players. All I right. So flip, flip a coin. And I'm heads and Calvin's tails. Do you have a coin there, Liz? Um, you know, surprisingly enough, I do not have a coin yeah, on. There I don't. Right now. I don't think I have a coin either. So uh, let's see. I'm gonna pick pick a number from one to ten. Four. Okay, so you go first because I picked right. even. All right. Done. All right. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Yep. <clears throat> okay. Here are your four clues. I've got. Uh, <clears throat> Here are my four clues. What are they? Apps. Apps. Tatum. Tatum? Yeah, just listen to all of them, okay? Uh-huh. Tatum. Three wishes. What? Three wishes? Three wishes. Three wishes. Diesel. Diesel? I, I just want you to know that Diesel's I got it. Diesel's the word? Tatum. It's Shaq. Jack. It's Jack. Nice job. I just want you to know that I that I had it with Tatum, and I'm annoyed because I knew he would that he that he only got it because of Diesel. Yeah. No, I I had a, I had an inkling off the top that it was Shaq, but I didn't know what what Tatum was was a reference to. Tatum O'Neal. Tatum O'Neal. Yep. Tatum O'Neal. Um, three wishes is for his. Kazam, of course. Louis. 
Yep. Yeah. Tim O'Neill's star of Bad News Bears. Yep. <laughs> what about, um, you know, the reference to apps? I know you do, Rory. Yeah, Kobe. Show me how my apps taste. And apps he also, that's what Jim Rome said. <laughs> what? He said, Kobe, show me yeah. how my apps taste. <laughs> have you heard this story, Calvin? Nope, but we don't have time. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Jack spent a lot of money on apps. That's the bottom line. And Jim Rome did a minute, a CBS minute about it, Calvin. That's it. Anyway, Calvin's turn. Go ahead. Okay, Calvin, you ready? Yep. Beach Boys. <laughs> King of Queens. Kevin Love. Go. What? Go restart. Yep, Kevin Love. Go. It's restart. Can you let me finish here? Nope. High five. <laughs> and Valentine's Day. <laughs> Calvin knows his NBA basketball How did you know it? How did you, do you know the Beach Boys reference? Yeah, Mike loves his uncle. Go. It's yeah. turn. Go. 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 <laughs> okay. All right. You ready, Ray? Yeah. Calvin's really trying to get to this next segment, it sounds like. Anyway, go. Okay. Um, Your favorite Full House character... Wait, that's not fair. What? Mine? You... How do you... What? Or okay. Jody Sweeten. Jody Sweeten. Um, uh-huh. Gramercy Rick Can you hold on a second, Calvin? Stop interrupting. It's not your turn. Gramercy, Gramercy Gang. Wow. Austin Powers 3. And Tika Masala. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I'm not going to get this. Uh, I get you trouble. I bet you will. Do you want me I to repeat don't, them? I don't, no, I don't think I'm going to get this. Um, I, do you want me to repeat it? Sure. Okay. Tika Masala. Uh-huh. Jody Sweeten. Yeah. Gramercy Riffs Gang. Austin Powers 3. Austin Powers 3. Um, oh. Well, Dennis Rodman. I don't know. Liz, I don't know. It's Steph Curry. Go on to the next one. <laughs> it's Steph Curry because because Chicken Masala Jody Sweeten is Steph. Oh. From Warriors, the movie. The characters. The character in Full House. Yes. It's a little tricky. A little tricky. And Austin Powers 3 is gold member. Well, you said Jody Sweeten. I thought, I, I was like, why? I don't. I didn't understand the reference. But I was, because the whole Dancing with the Stars thing that she did recently, I was confused. Thanos in pop culture. Didn't even know she did really? that. So. There you go. Yeah, really is up on his Joey Sweden. Yeah. The pop co- the, the headlines are, are all over Yahoo. Oh, my God. They work. Okay. All they right. Work. Whose turn is it, Calvin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 just, uh, I just blew that one, right? And Calvin got me. It was tricky. It was a tricky one. It was tricky. Okay. All right. I'm so confused. Um, re- okay, Red. Footloose. What? What was that? Footloose. Okay. Garrison Keeler. <laughs> and Oscar the Grudge. <laughs> I have no idea. You want me to? You want me to repeat? <laughs> okay. Wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> Red Footloose. I have no idea. Red Footloose. Garrison Keeler. I forgot who Garrison Keeler is. Who Garrison Keeler is? Yeah. From Prairie Home Companion. 
I don't know what Prairie Home Companion is. Oh, Liz, okay. you are just a, you're just Oscar, Oscar the Grinch. Harrison Keeler? Is he supposed to look like someone? No. He's Do you guys want a clue? No. Another clue? <laughs> Alright, go ahead. Go ahead and give us a clue. <laughs> He's from Minnesota. Garrison Keeler. Uh, yeah, Garrison Keeler. Oh, what? Is it Draymond Green? No. <laughs> I, 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 just Googled, I, I just Googled Garrison Keeler NBA, and the first thing that came up was Draymond <laughs> Green suspended. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny because I was, I was going to get to Keeler, but uh, Kevin Garnett? I don't, I don't know. It is. It's Garnett. What, what's, what does right. Garrison oh, Keeler it. have to do with Kevin so, Garnett? Garrett from Minnesota. What does red have to do with Kevin Garnett? Liz. Well, because a garnet is red. Garnet. A, a garnet. Oh what? boy, it's more like maroon. It's a maroon color. It's a. It's. What is, it's a. Uh, yeah. What the hell was, is a garnet? Oh, Arlington High School's. Yeah. Uh, it's a dual. Color. Uh, right. is Kevin Bacon and Oscar the Grouch is because he's a trash talker. Kevin Bacon. Yeah, these are so. I don't understand the connections here. Let's go. Because Let's he's go. A trash talker. Oh my. God. <laughs> for trash talking. We're running out of time here. How much time is left on this broadcast? Calvin, nine Calvin, minutes. Three minutes. That's what I'm saying. Calvin, what are you? No, no, no. Calvin, don't worry. We got nine and a half minutes. Oh, yeah. Calvin's complaining even though he got it correct. Such a whiner. Oh, I'm, oh. the only reason I don't hate this game is because I'm winning. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. You ready, Rory? Yes. Here we go. Carb your enthusiasm. Parakeet. Dr. Henry Jones Jr. Pace setter. Oh, it's Paul George. Nope. No. Curb your enthusiasm. Parakeet. Parakeet. Dr. Henry Jones Jr. Larry Bird? Yes. You did it. How'd you figure it out? I knew it was an Indiana player, but I, I thought you were going more modern than that. No, I was just picking like somebody popular. Just picking, just picking people. Larry Bird, Larry Bird. <laughs> My parakeet. Parakeet. It's a green bird. Get it? Green bird. Oh mostly. boy, you okay. took a lot of time thinking about this, huh? I really did. It was fun though. I just, <laughs> All right, Calvin. Last one. Last one, Calvin. Here we go. Hey, right, Calvin. Ready? Cow. <laughs> Gumble. What? Kanye. And Dino Gumbel. from Flintstones. <laughs> Kanye. What was the second one? Gumbo. Gumbo. No. Gumbo? Gumbo? Like Brian Gumbo or Gumbo. Brian Gumbo? Yes. What the hell so Brian is Brian Gumbo? <laughs> Cow. What is Kanye? Are you huh? going to play this game with your, your students tomorrow or something? What is going on? Is it, is it Kobe Bryant? It is Kobe. How'd you figure it out? <laughs> Just cow, cow and Gumbo. Brian Gumble. Bryant and Cow is for Kobe uh, Beach and Kanye well, West is in like West Coast. And I hope Dino, people are still listening to this show. Do you get, you get the Dino clue? I'm glad I didn't pay attention to the Kanye clue because that's a terrible clue. West Coast. Hey. Kanye's not even from the West Coast. He's from Chicago. Well, his Kanye name is Kanye West. West. Oh, Kanye uh, it was West. a name game. It was a oh, name Lord. game. She didn't give us any parameters. We got to organize no, these things no. better. That's um, how this game works. It's a little frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> and Dino is perfect. Oh, 
Tino is purple. You deserve this again. Everybody just just well, took that up cool. that was fun. So many minutes. Calvin is just itching to talk that about this fun. next thing. Thank you. Right, I don't Thank even you. I don't even know I don't even know what we have left. I was literally just <laughs> trying to get through the six. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, Liz, how do you feel about the NHL expanding to Las Vegas? Are you going to go see the Bruins out there? Sure, I'm, I've been dying to get to Vegas. I've you have been. Yeah, would cool. you do that? Okay, bye. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, that is our next topic, though, Calvin, here on Careless Whispers with five minutes to go, unless you want to just cut out. But it, what do you think about this Vegas thing? I, I think it's a smart move for the league, but – I'm not so sure expansion is the right move. I think they probably should have moved one of their teams to Vegas from one of their uh, more suffering markets because there are definitely arenas out there that are not getting filled. And uh, if they're going to do it that way, they should, I, I think that probably would have been the better move, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't know the numbers and the NHL is going to thrive by putting another expansion team out there. Here's the thing. Like, I like the idea of, of a sport like putting a team in Vegas, like the idea that like, they've been so afraid to have teams in Vegas for all these years because of the stigma of gambling and, like, you know, it, it looks uh, like impropriety. But the problem, my thing is, is, like, what do you think, gamblers can't fly anywhere or, like, get anyone anywhere in the world to, you know, be involved in some sort of point-shaving scheme? Like, the, right. avoiding Vegas has always been ridiculous. So I'm glad that Vegas is, like, finally getting a sports team of their own. I just don't think that it's a great idea to have hockey uh, in a desert town where, like, I really doubt that anyone's going to care about hockey. I feel like basketball or football would have made sense. It doesn't It doesn't really make sense to me for the NHL to, like, be putting a team in, the de- in a desert town like Vegas. But I hope this opens up Vegas for other sports to, you know, finally move over here. Well, supposedly it's going to it's going to be like a somewhat of a hub for a lot of different NHL cities. When you're talking about some of the Midwest cities that have NHL franchises, St. Louis, I mean it's pretty close as far as that's concerned as far as a flight. It's uh, you can get to Vegas pretty quickly from a lot of those destinations out there, even Vancouver up in Canada, uh and a lot of those uh, uh Canadian cities, you can take a quick flight, a few hours get to Vegas and even though it's also very close to LA, it's a, just a little bit closer, you know. So it's going to be, and, and obviously it's Las Vegas. So if they schedule things pretty well and they can find a lot of home games on Friday nights and home games on Saturday afternoons, I think that they're going to have a, a, a nice, easy time filling the stadium. And really, with the as far as the NHL is concerned, that's the bottom line, isn't it? They're just they're just trying to make more money, and if the team tanks for three years and still fills the stadium, I think people are in the NHL are going to be happy with, with the decision. Yeah, I'm just not sure how long that lasts. You know, obviously the novelty of bringing any uh, new franchise in, especially with a team that's never had a franchise before, 
they're going to sell out. I mean, maybe if the team is good, you know, they'll continue to well, sell out. I'm just skeptical. No, I think the idea is that, that uh, even fans of other teams are going to end up saying, hey, Vegas is a destination. Let's let's have our – and I mean, maybe this isn't going to happen often enough to make a significant monetary difference, but – Let's have our bachelor party in Vegas and go see the Bruins. Let's let's have uh, let's go to Vegas for the week and see a uh, not not the week but for the the weekend and see a Kings game and just fly out there for the weekend because you're that close, you know. Uh, and I think that they're they're banking on a lot of fans around the league who are rabid NHL fans and want to see their team and who travel anyway to go to Vegas for a little while and then maybe by then the team will actually be good and they can hold their own. Who knows? But I think that's the idea. I hope so. I just think it's good for the city and I think it's stupid that good franchises have been, you know, reluctant to put teams there in the past. All right. We should probably talk more about this next week and we will, uh, but a quick minute here on the Olympics because, and I think why we should talk about it next week is because I expect more big name players to drop out as things go along here and as the finals come to an end, uh, I would expect guys like LeBron James to say that he might not go. But as, as it is right now, Calvin, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, all out right now. And uh, we, we'll talk more about it next week. But quickly, is that uh, the Zika virus? What do you think? Uh, I, I forgot that that was the topic. I was going to suggest pushing it back to next week. But we will push have, it back, uh, but I want to tease yeah. it a little bit because I think more guys oh, yeah. are going to drop out. Yeah, I, I think it. I, I think it is. I think it, it's nobody wants to admit it, and there's a lot of false pretenses. Maybe with a couple of guys, there's legit concerns. But I think for the yeah, I, will, I think that it, it is a specter hanging over it. We'll, I guess yeah. we'll get into it more next. We will get into more next week on that because I think it is an issue that uh, the sporting world needs to pay attention to. And I think some of the NBA players have already done that. So we'll get into more of that next week. And we'll see if anybody else pulls their name from the Olympic team uh, or the, the from the players eligible for the Olympic team, that is. Because they still haven't necessarily figured out who all will be there. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. All right. Thank you all for listening. Calvin, nice to talk to you. And uh, we'll be back at it next week here. Same time, same place. We're going to get a nice nice uh, flow going here, going forward. We're going to be consistent. Yeah. That's right. Definitely. Yeah, good little right. run. Yeah. Yep. Right. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Careless Whispers, LNS Radio. The radio voice.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.